This is Marketing Trends, your number one source for exclusive interviews with chief marketing officers and executive marketing leaders in the Fortune 1000 and beyond. This is Jeremy Bergeron, and I interview, collaborate, and partner with world-class CMOs and marketing leaders across industries. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Marketing Trends. You know who it is. I'm your host, Jeremy. Super excited to be here. I'm thrilled to announce our next guest. This is one that, you know, her people and our people were trying to make this happen for a while. We made it happen. And it's really a credit to this who this guest is. Let me tell you about Stephanie McCarty. Okay. She is from from my perspective of a true visionary in her field. She is the CMO for a company called Taylor Morrison. This is one of the nation's largest and most trusted home builders for like seven, eight years, like in a row, crazy. Uh, Stephanie has led transformation for their marketing, helping to drive, of course, a lot of growth and helping shape their, their reputation for high, high quality. She oversees brand strategy, communications, and culture for this $9 billion plus company. Uh, she's been named by a lot of you know publications, Housing Wire's top marketing leader. She's also a, just a mom of three, which I personally love, like shout out to parents who are also executives. So she's an inspiration. Please join me in welcoming Stephanie McCarty. Thank you for being here. Wow, what an intro. Now I've got to live up to the hype. You set the bar high. <laughs> Look, I like you, it. When you turn your camera on and we saw your amazing shirt and your background, like you already like you're dropping the mic already, <laughs> Stephanie. So this is awesome. It's how we roll. Yes. I love it. Okay. So we could talk about a lot of things, right? I'm I'm curious about the industry that is kind of construction and the things that are happening there. I'm definitely curious about your role and what you're up to. You also mentioned kind of in the uh, the pre-conversation before we press record, there's some exciting things happening with TV and media and stuff. So that's just what I have at the top, but like, I wanna put it back to you to like, with what's happening in your world right now, what is like most interesting to kind of talk through and connect around because we could go a lot of different angles and I want to know like what's top of mind for you? What are you stoked on right now? I love it. And I could take that question in several different ways. So Sweet. let's start with real estate, new home construction is not typically looked at as a super sexy industry driving innovation and experimentation when it comes to marketing. And if anyone thinks that they are so wrong. We are an industry that has long been ripe for innovation. And we have, I mean, we operate like retailers and we have a long purchase process. So there's so much opportunity to come in and make a meaningful impact on someone's life and on a consumer's life. And so I'm the company's first CMO. I've been in the role for five years. As you stated, we are one of the nation's largest home builders and community developers. We operate from coast to coast and we build a wide array of product from first time entry level product all the way up to resort, luxury lifestyle, communities and amenities and everything in between. We typically sell and close somewhere around 13,000 homes a year. So we're really large, both in revenue and in volume. When I first got here, I'd say we were about a $2 billion business and much, much smaller. I joined the company as the vice president of communications. My background is in journalism and executive communications. So when I came in, we were kind of a mutt home builder, 
grown through acquisition and our CEO is really focused on building a brand inside. So when you talked about leading culture, I think that's something that all CMOs are now being tasked with. And a lot of CMOs don't know how to do that. And so I feel fortunate that that was a competitive advantage for me, that that was my background. And we built this incredible brand on the inside, which I'm sure you can understand and relate to and attest to that once you have that magic on the inside, it's much easier to push it, push it out than to start in reverse. So I have 3000 brand ambassadors out there who love Taylor Morrison. So we could talk about new home construction. And when I first got here, and you could see just how much it's changed in five years since I took on the role, our website used to be a pure seduction tool. It was, look at these beautiful homes, look at these beautiful communities, call our community sales manager for more information. I don't know anyone in my circle who would continue with that brand and move forward with any kind of purchase decision. So in just a short five years, we had a seductive website with pictures to a fully transactional website where we are allowing consumers to make most of their purchase process done online by reserving a home with a small deposit. And that we're the only home builder doing that. So if I talk about digital transformation, meeting consumers where they are, that's probably what I've been most excited about in the last three years. That really allowed us as a marketing team, as a brand marketing team, to put ourselves on the map within our own organization and across the industry. Since then, which we'll probably dive into in more details, we've kind of jumped on the marketing trend of kind of social, the social sphere meets influencer meets videos and the magic that can happen when you're reaching younger demographics by leveraging influencers that they trust. Trust is such a big thing when it comes to any kind of purchase decision. And trust is something that most home builders are lacking when it comes to how consumers feel about a brand. And so we recently had uh, announced a partnership in this summer with Joanna and Clea of the Home Edit, bringing a lifestyle brand and home organization into our sphere has moved our brand in ways that I don't think our organization or industry could have predicted. So I'm excited about a lot. I love it. I, I mean, I'm I'm frantically writing a couple of notes based on what you're sharing because like I want to double click into that. I want to double click into that. This is awesome. Um, so take take us take us into the, you know the the view of of Stephanie as you're stepping into. I mean, it's already a pretty large organization with no CMO in, in the seat. What did you see as the opportunity? Your background's super interesting with journalism and like bringing that, like how did you marry that with seeing this opportunity at a, you know, a, a billion dollar brand with no real marketing leader in, at the helm? Like how did that even transpire? Yeah, marketing has historically fallen under the sales realm, right? In home building. So it was sales and marketing, which really meant that marketing wasn't getting much love at all. And so I'm very fortunate um, to have a CEO who actually came from a marketing background before she fell into home building. So she's really invested and understands what really great marketing can do for a brand and a business and driving revenue and meeting consumers first. And so I was in a position where I was talking to all of our stakeholders. I was owning the message for our employees. I was helping with the message for our trade partners and suppliers and our customers. I was helping craft um, our shareholder letter every year. I was writing investor earnings scripts. So I was really touching all the 
shareholders and all the stakeholders minus our largest population, which was our consumers. And in a conversation with our CEO, Cheryl, who, who I just adore, she's like, we just need to pull the trigger and we need to make a CMO role and you're it. And it's what so came up so organically. Wow. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I don't have home building experience prior to Taylor Morrison, but I do have various other global Fortune 500 company experience. And in my background, CMOs typically don't last very long, yep. right? Their tenures tend to be shorter than what I had wanted for myself becoming, I was a young mother, still am a young mother. I have young children at home. And I said, hey, I'm not going to sign myself up for a job I might be out of in two years. And she said, don't be silly. I wouldn't let that happen to you. And so I came in without any previous bias or thoughts on what could or couldn't be done. I spent a lot of time with our executive team asking what's worked, what doesn't, what do you want? I think the biggest struggle being a CMO in this industry and being the first one at our organization was tackling off all the mindset that came about like what the model was and what that mold was, which was very incentive-driven, price-driven, promotion-driven. And that brand didn't matter because a consumer was buying a location. So if you have the right land and you put the right product on that piece of land, Jeremy, the consumers will come. It was this field of dreams mentality. And so investing in the brand or earned media just was something that I think many executives didn't think was necessary. And I said, hey, there's nothing wrong with your mold. It works. It has worked. But there's these new generations that are coming up that see the world much differently. They're not available between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. to tour your community. They want to do the research for their own, on their own. They're well experienced on their phone and mobile device and getting information in two seconds when they want it. We have to be able to provide that. You know, we didn't want to put pricing on the website. We didn't want to give information about the process because we didn't want anyone to self-select out. You know, give me a body and I will sell. And it was a lot of work. It was kind of that boulder pushing it uphill to get people to see it differently. And I, I didn't really, I had to just show it in action. So we centralized marketing. We okay. created a brand marketing team. I think when I took over, we had two corporate market em- marketing employees and everything else was outsourced. Wow. Okay. Every division had the opportunity to connect with agencies and present the brand, the tone of voice, the messaging, however they wanted. So we had divisions across the country who were showcasing Taylor Morrison in various ways. And so we pulled back and said, hey, this is more like a McDonald's experience. If you're going on a road trip and you stop at McDonald's four or five times, you should know what to expect. And my analogy is if it's McRib McRib season, it's McRib season and you don't get to put bacon on your McRib or any other special sauce, the customer expectation of that experience needs to be the same. And so we developed more of a franchise model. And at corporate, we have a brand marketing team that owns the creative the messaging, the tone of voice, the look, feel, and emotions that our brand creates. And so that was a huge undertaking and and a shift of control that I think a lot of people weren't really ready for. We're five years into that now, and that has paid dividends. We now have a 40-plus brand marketing team here at corporate that supports our growing divisions, and we support every generation 
and then some. So we also run our social media accounts. We have an in-house creative studio and a full funnel media team. So we're, it was very, very focused on lower funnel, bottom of the funnel activities. And you and I know that brands that want to stand the test of time need to be investing in brand and upper funnel activities. And so that's new for TM, I would say, in the last two years. And I think in home building in general, because we're really driven by economic factors, mortgage rates, how well, inflation, there's so much going on in the world that's outside of our control that I think that's where brand awareness and standing out is really our opportunity to gain market share. So is it all in, is everything in house? Are there still, are there some agency partners? We have some agency partners, okay. not most for creative, but when we do high quality video production, we obviously do that okay. Out, okay. outside and we've got great partners that help us with commercials and, and video. We just took media buying in-house and paid media probably a year ago. Okay. Um, but that was like the last big item that we centralized. But it, we've gained so much from an efficiency standpoint, sure. being able to do that ourselves. So did your did your brain go to when you first when you first kicked into the role, which I love, I love the connection with the CEO and the strength and trust built there and how that's still it's it's Cheryl, right? Cheryl's the CEO. Cheryl yeah. Palmer, yeah. So she's been there, I think, since 2007, at least last yes. last I saw. So it's cool to see that like Obviously, you established some, something there and she saw it, maybe even saw something you didn't see in you, said, let's do this. You said, okay, we'll roll with it. Um, does your head go to, okay, who do I know that's going to support this? Or did it go to more strategy and creating the, you know, the, 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 the whole marketing strategy? Or did it go to, okay, I got to build my team? It's a great question. And it probably in some facet went to all three. Okay. You know that saying that, I'm going to get it wrong, but whatever's wasted on the youth, right? I was 30 when I started at Taylor Morrison. So okay. roughly 33 when I okay. took on the CMO, I didn't know what I didn't know. Okay. I just knew that there was opportunity to do it better. Okay. And so I started to think like we have, I have a great VP of brand who at the time was the director of corporate marketing. And I said, you teach me everything, you know, I'm going to teach you everything I know between the two of us. We're going to make some real magic happen. And I told her, I said, why are we doing it this way? And I just asked a ton of questions. And from there, we just started making changes. And I asked Cheryl to just trust me. And I said, hey, just trust me. And I would say it was harder for the broader executive team and some of our regional operators because they just didn't know what they didn't know. I probably wasn't as good early on building buy-in because I think, to be honest, I just didn't know how. But now, you know, I think... I've, we've put on kind of the figurative billboard what we're capable of. We built in, we, we brought in a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what if we did like our annual report and our ESG report, we did it in-house and we saved the company $50,000 every year in just the design work. And we did that. And it was beautiful, stunning piece of work that represented the brand exactly how our CEO and our chief legal officer wanted to. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, I have seven graphic designers. It started with one and just making an impact. And slowly the organization wanted more of that. And as we've grown, we've done two really large acquisitions since I've been in the role. So to be able to immediately enter a new market and have a brand that is already really well known and established and can make an impact and a splash right away. You know, I think if we hadn't done some of the work that we had done early on, I don't know that we would have been as successful entering new markets and 
getting the market share that we want and the growth and the depth within those markets to be as financially where we wanted to go and how much of an impact to our bottom line we wanted to have is quickly. So I do think, you know, we've also made a statement, not in how we're just representing our brand, but how we're able to make a financial impact and the the impact to growth and revenue by having that brand structure so sound. And so, you know, I think looking back, I can, I feel really good about everything we've done. And a lot of it was just taking risks and asking people to, hey, trust me. And if I mess it up, like, then I'll tell you, you were right. And, you know, knock on wood, I haven't had that moment come, but hopefully now I've built enough credibility that if I do mess up, I'll say, well, you know, it's bound to happen at some point. Yeah. Wow. What were some of the kind of key growth strategies in the focus areas that really enabled TM Taylor Morrison for our, our, our listeners to scale from 2 billion to 9 billion, right? What are some of these key growth strategies? Well, they started really with our executive team. It was Cheryl. I mean, I think once Taylor Morrison was established through two really big, that was a big acquisition in 2007 when Cheryl became the CEO, when Taylor Woodrow and Morrison Homes merged. She has had this strategy to grow and be a a brand in the home building space that provides an experience and a product like no other. So I do think just the mindset and passion and desire Um, to grow started at the top. And so I think once our marketing team was established, obviously we want to support that growth. And so we are very focused on feeding the funnel and making sure that we're reaching, I mean, 50% of our home buyers today are millennial. Five years ago, that was not the case. I think we were close to 20%. So we have new generations that are coming into their purchasing years that just approach every purchase decision differently. And so we jump on those trends as fast as we can where we think it'll be prudent. So all the new media, TikTok, you can't find another home builder portraying a brand and building relationships with those young Gen Zs like we do. And when I take some of our most highest performing TikTok videos and show them to our division presidents, it is right over their head. And then they're like, I don't get it. I'm like, it's okay. I don't get it either. I'm not a Gen Z, but I trust my team that they know what they're doing and the comments we get. And so that's that's how people are finding brands. And that's how they're building a relationship with our brand before they are ready to buy a home. So we're we're planting a seed because you don't just go out one day and buy a home, right? There's a lot of time and research and energy that goes into that process. So we want to be part of that before they're even conscious enough to know that you're right. I'm ready to buy a home. And I remember Taylor Morrison and what is, who is that? And they've already started that relationship with us. So I think our, our growth strategy, you know, we align with our executive team on where we're growing, what markets we need to grow. And that's where we double down in terms of present presence and relationship and campaigns. And, you know, it's been, it's been such a great ride. And I think the growth from our organization is only going to continue. What are some of the, the more crunchy, challenging bits in scaling marketing efforts like so rapidly? And how do you kind of address those? Because look, this is not a small business, you know, testing things. We're talking about a multi-billion dollar business and growing. 
that you know the velocity and speed of growth is a whole different beast when it comes to Taylor Morrison. What are some of the challenges that might have arose in saying, look, there's the scoreboard, that's where we're going. Now let's go execute. I love that you use the term crunchy, and I'm going to start using that too. I think my crunchiest, <laughs> if you will, okay. endeavor so far was really creating a website that can be transactional. So I remember so vividly being in the boardroom with our executive team pre-COVID, talking about the Ubers of the world. The fact that, you know, you used to have to go into a department store to buy shoes. And now I can't remember the last time I actually tried on a pair of shoes before having them just sent to my home. Plane tickets, you used to have to have a plane ticket. Now everything's on your phone. Just this world that I think we're just so, we're so accustomed to that we don't realize there was a before time when it wasn't like that. And I said, our consumers want to engage with us in the way that they want to. And we need to meet them that way. So our website needs to be able to allow them to schedule tours in homes without a salesperson, right? People don't like to be sold to. I don't know if people have ever liked it, but they absolutely don't like it today. And our industry sometimes, you know, they talk about us like the car industry, right? And that used car salesman, like people don't want to go into, we literally call them the trap fence where you have to walk into the sales center just to get out to go see a model home. (laughs) We know we're trapping people. And so it's really the shift in let people are smart, let them make the decision on their own. If they can't afford our homes because we're putting price transparency out them, great. Then we let's allow the salespeople to actually work with people and spend time closing and converting those that have made the decision on their own and not in this awkward setting where they're saying, oh, I can't afford these homes. I wish I would have known before I wasted my time and your time. And so we self-developed technology on our website that allows consumers to pick within a, a lot map, which shows the community and all the available home sites, the lot that works for their needs. That technology allows you to pick floor plans that can be sold on that home site, a floor plan that meets their needs. They can pick the outside elevation, the exterior of that home. They can add structural options if they want to turn that third you know, den into a bedroom or they want to put a bay window or they want, you know, one of those beautiful sliding doors into their backyard, they can add those into their homes and they can see what each of those additions is going to cost them. And at the end, the system allows you kind of like this itemized receipt. I, I explain it like it's Carvana meets TurboTax. As you're okay. adding these that's things it, into your it cart, like, it's yeah. showing you what your estimated price will be and what your monthly price will be or what your mortgage will be. And so you can make an educated decision on your own budget from the comfort of your own home. You can do it on a tablet, on your mobile device, on a desktop, and you can check out and you, it's a hundred dollar deposit to make this reservation. And we, I, we have 300 plus active selling communities across the country. And I went to each of our area presidents and I said, let me bring this to your market. Let me test it in your market. This is where the begging and pleading and asking for trust came in. After doing that, I got 10 communities that said, sure, we'll try it. 10 out of 320. And I said, I'll take it. So we launched it. We sent out a press release. Our first reservation came in in Dallas at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Way to go, Texas. Let's go. Let's go. I I didn't sleep much that (laughs) night. And when it came in six hours after we launched, I went to our Texas area president. I said, we already have a reservation. Let's call them. Let's get it moving. 
converted to sale uh-huh. Uh-huh. pretty quickly. And I mean, a lot wow. of, there were a lot of pe- non-believers and now, you know, a lot of people thought, well, COVID sure it'll work during COVID when the other alternatives to come in, people are always going to mm-hmm. want to see, feel, touch, smell their home before they buy it. And so the realization that maybe not everyone needs to, or wants to was something that I think our leaders weren't willing to accept And now we have that every active selling community, if you have a quick move in home or completed inventory home is available to be reserved. And any community that sells uh, made to order or to be built homes has this um, capability on the website. And we see just under 50% of these reservations convert to sale. They convert with a revenue or an average sales price that's over $80,000 higher than a non-reservation sale. And the cancellation rate, Jeremy, is a third less than our average cancellation rate. So they're more committed to the home and the community because they're able to play with it. They have more control of the process. They feel more committed. Um, We're being very transparent with what that home is going to cost. And so we're seeing a remarkable transformation, I think, in how home building and how consumers are playing a role, an active role in the process versus kind of it just being done to them. And that's making a big difference. We're out there, you know, we do a lot of market research. We're talking to those that are putting reservations in. We're talking to those that converted after they use the technology. And they just, they love the convenience. They love that they can do it on their own time. And we, I would tell you, most of the reservations are coming in after five o'clock. They're coming in after nine o'clock once those kids are in bed. Once you can sit Mm -hmm. on the couch with your spouse Mm -hmm. and have a discussion about Mm -hmm. what your future looks like. Sometimes I don't know about you, but those conversations aren't happening with my husband at 2 p.m. during the week. They just aren't. So it's been a meaningful change and shift. I'd say transformation and how we do business. Wow. I want to hear more about how you're building in buy-in with the ELT and just leaders in general. Kind of how you, because now you're, you know, you know, five six years into this game doing this, um, and that's a that's a that's a soft skill. As I connect with hundreds of of CMOs in various industries, how they build trust and rapport, how they build buy-in, as you said, with the team. I want to hear how you're doing that now, what works really well? Because look, you're already, you've already surpassed the normal tenure of a CMO by far, right? You've solidified your space in this, in that seat. You know, Stephanie is the one. Whoever is listening and you're not sure if Stephanie's <laughs> the one, she's the one, clearly, okay? So how, what's, take us into some of the, you know, under the hood of how Stephanie builds buy-in with, the, with leaders and the executive leadership team just in general. There's so many ways to do it. I think what's worked for me is, just being honest about what you know and don't know. And I will tell, I tell all my executives, I don't know the first thing about home building. That's why you need me and I need you. And here's what I know. I'm, I'm very close to the consumer. I know their preferences. I know the different demographics, how they're shopping, how they're making purchase decisions. I know different marketing strategies that work and don't work. And I'm here. I want to, I want to try different things with you. So a lot of it's just spending time. I'd say in home building, it's and probably not different from other industries. It's very relationship driven. Now we have an executive team that's 11 members. And then I have 19 division presidents that are out there running our divisions. And so Mm. it's a lot of relationships to maintain. And so when I travel, I make sure I'm having breakfast or dinner with the division leaders. I'm talking about what's working. I'm asking them what they need help on. 
Sometimes they need to have a local community that's really not getting a lot of traffic. So I'll ask my team, what are we doing from a paid perspective? What are we doing to support them? individually and in that community. And that's how the relationships are built. I think now that I've been here a little over eight years, I have very strong established relationships with with key members of our leadership team. The first being one, our CEO, which I'm very blessed. Every CMO I talk to, they're like, if you've got the CEO's ear, you've got it all, sister, right? And (laughs) um, so I'm very lucky. Um, The CIO, who he believes in what we're doing. He believes in using technology um, to help innovate the sales process. And we've done that. And think I'm very thankful for that because that relationship with a lot of CMOs and CIOs is fraught with tension. I think the biggest relationship that at work I'm constantly working on is with our head of sales, our chief customer officer. She's been in the business for a long time and she's brilliant. And she knows a heck of a lot more than I do about this industry and this business. But in a way, I'm telling her that the mold she grew up with doesn't work anymore. And so I I can be empathetic to how that feels. And I ask her to help me, right? Like where I have a division that just might not let me in is I ask her to travel with me to that division. Let's go together. Let's talk about what's working and what isn't. And again, you know, we removed marketing from out from under sales. And that just takes time. So you can't hurry time. And when we came out with this new technology, again, it was a lot of me just asking for blank trust. And now that we have the data, it's no longer this passion project of Stephanie's, right? I have data. I can be removed from it and say, hey, the numbers don't lie. And that, that obviously helps. So once you've got proof to what you're pushing, it helps make the buy-in a lot easier. I'm also very fortunate that we have a very dynamic board that is very experienced and they believe in what we're doing. So when I get to go talk about the team's great work and the great progress we're having and share that with the board, I mean, I leave those meetings on a high like no other because it's great to have a board that sees the difference that you're making and the talent that, that we're bringing and I think Taylor Morrison just stands out. We do brand comparisons all the time. And our share of voice has grown significantly in the last three years. And that's just credited to the work and following our beliefs and passion that we know we can make a difference and and taking some of that work in-house, right? We're, we're fully invested in the work and we're not outsourcing it. That's just, there's just some things that you just shouldn't outsource, Again, mm. one one woman, one CMO's perspective. Mm-hmm. And I know that it changes and evolves over time, but buy-in takes time. And I haven't always done it right because sometimes you need to move fast. And right. if you're waiting for everyone around the table to say yes, you're never going to be able to do anything. How do you balance that? Because that's a very real thing across, I think, a lot of different organizations, regardless of size, is like the speed at which like you're seeing something like it's so clear, like there's a gap. We get to fill that. Here's how we're going to do it. And then you have to wait. Or maybe you don't have to wait. You found a way to navigate that. But it's like that's a that's a lot. There's a lot of tension that can be in that. A lot of tension. And <laughs> I patience is not something I have very much of naturally. It's something I always work on. Um, And I just, we can never quite go fast enough is how I feel. And corporate America, it doesn't matter where you're at. We just move slow. But the bigger the ship, the slower you move, it feels like. And so I think it's the key people, the ones that you know are the naysayers or the, they're the, they're the ones that bark the loudest. Those are the ones I go to first. 
And I said, hey, mm-hmm. I know you're going to have an opinion. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. Give me your opinion. And if I can get a few of them, then I run. Because I feel like if I can get them on board, the rest of them will be easy. And sometimes I don't, I don't have time for buy-in. And I will, I'll just say, hey. And for me, it's, and I think I'm very thankful that I have the communications background is I'm always thinking about who needs to know, when do they need to know? Mm. How should I inform them? Will they handle it well if I just email them or do I need to pick up the phone? And so having that thought process with everything we're trying to launch or roll out, I feel like I over-communicate. So I say, hey, this is what's going to happen. Here's when it's going to happen. Here's the goal. And then it's just like a constant reiteration. Okay. Wow. I feel like that you're, you're naming like chapters of your book, like don't always have to have buy-in <laughs> and trust, trust me, I got this. These are just like great. These are, these are, these are great. These are great titles. Um, so, okay. This is so cool. Um, let's, let's touch in. Cause I, I love how you kind of teed this up, which is like, you, you know, this brand has gone through and is continuing to go through this real evolution of like brand voice to connecting and matching with the consumers at different generational levels and where they're at in the home buying process and really, you know, keeping their ear to the ground across hundreds of markets and, and lots of different people at different stages. And you now have this ability for someone to go to your site and really just like selecting a car, they can really go through and select a home, which is certainly where the future is. And we're here. That's how we got our Tesla. And that's how we like to fly. So I totally get that. And now you have this beautiful, interesting challenge of, you know, you've you've partnered with Home Edit, right? You're going to be, you know, there's stuff coming on the news about what you're doing in building a house in a very short amount of time. So how do you, how do you dance with that now of like having this brand that gives the consumer an ability to, to make a, a big purchase decision. And now you've also proven that you can build a house really fast. <laughs> so talk, talk about the opportunity and talk about like maybe where we're headed. Yes. So once we, you know, really started making a name for us within the organization, our department and what we're capable of with the digital transformation and just, you know, creating one brand, one voice across 20 different divisions, we focused on how are consumers making purchase decisions today? Where are they putting their trust? Where are they getting their information? I think a lot of us know it's on their phone, whether it's through a social media app, you've got TikTok, you've got Instagram, you've got Reddit. I mean, people are turning to other people to get validation or to get input on something they're considering. We also know that influencer marketing has just skyrocketed in the last two to maybe five years. And so when you've got video, because people don't like to read long form, you know, they say journalism is dead. People have short attention spans, they want to use video. And where we saw an opportunity where video, social and influencer made sense or, or meshed together, we found the home edit. And so I had my own personal experience where I had people come in and help me organize spaces in my homes, namely my master closet and pantry. And the euphoria I felt as a homeowner in these spaces, I wanted to bottle it up and drink it forever. (laughs) And so I told my CEO about it. I was like, I don't know how we give this to our homeowners, but they need it. And so I started doing research. I found the home edit. And after months and months of finding their talent agent rep, we found them and said, we need a partner with the home edit. The home edit is known for going into an existing space and making it beautiful, right? Organized. They do, they rainbowify Roy G. Biv, everything, which aesthetically is amazing. 
And but they don't do blank canvases. They don't do brand new homes. So we're like, there's a natural in here. And so I put Cheryl with Joanna and Clea of the Home Edit together and instant chemistry and relationship and connection. So we launched a partnership. We created all these wonderful videos to help our homeowners think about home organization and how to move, how to pack for a move, how to sustain organization once you've moved in. And if those who are avid followers of the Home Edit know, they had two seasons on Netflix where they were organizing, you know, the homes of Reese Witherspoon and Chris Pratt and Kim Kardashian and very entertaining ladies. And they, um, through conversation, said, hey, we're we're taking our show off Netflix. We're going to hit a top three network. We want you to be a part of it. And of course, I was like, yes, tell me more. Let's have this conversation. And they said, we are going to reboot Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And Joanna and Clear, we're going to host it. And we need, for a reboot this big, we need America's Most Trusted Builder. And I said, yes, yes, you, yes, do. you do. Yes, you yes, do. You do. <laughs> so we just filmed the special, the first, what they call it in TV biz pilot episode in Austin, Texas, where a very deserving family um, who had gone through, you know, some tragedy and needed a fresh start. We're informed that we're going to build them a new home in under 100 hours. And it took a village. We had 2,000 volunteers on site. All of our trade partners, our suppliers, they all pitched in and donated materials. They donated their time. They donated labor. And we built a beautiful two-story, five-bedroom home for this family in a beautiful community. And obviously, the Home Edit gals and their team came in and helped the family organize and edit their stuff so that they were bringing in um, only what they needed. And the story of this family is so heart touching. I know when the episode airs in the spring, you know, you better have your Kleenex ready, but also like Taylor Morrison to be a part of that magic and to be part of doing good. You know, I know a lot of CMOs and brands, you have to stand for something other than your product and your service. And I think in today's world, that can mean so many things, but I do know that core to our DNA at Taylor Morrison is giving back certainly in the communities in which we build, but really everywhere. And so we're good stewards in the communities. We do good within the environment. And I think there's a lot of, you know, issues that we we fight for. And our CEO is, is I mean, I brought this to her and said, this is what, we'll do wonders for the brand, but also it's just a tremendous thing to do for our family. And our Austin team, when I called our division president and Austin said, here's what's happening. She was like, bring it on. And we have a huge uh-huh. division, 150 plus team members that devoted their wow. whole life to this for a week. And I would say from a culture perspective, a team building perspective, that team is was already a rock star team and really close. But the bonds that were created mm. while we were all together last week, I mean, those will be with us forever. Do you think where things are headed now with the, the speed at which it, it took, it took a lot of people, but like, did you gather information and, you know, things from that experience and like seeing, okay, where now, where's home building headed next, right? Like, will someone be able to, will the everyday consumer be able to get onto, onto Taylor Morrison at some point in the not too distant future and make a home purchase like that and have a home built in that amount of time? How far away are we from that being a reality? And is it a big initiative, a big priority of Taylor Morrison? Like, hey, looks good for the community, feels good. Yes, yes. And are we headed that way? Are we even there yet? 
I think there's a lot of ways for our sector to be disrupted, right? And so certainly just from a sales and marketing perspective, we're doing that. I think as an industry building sciences, how we build homes, you know, they're testing lots of different ways, you know, 3D building, 3D, 3D printing. Yeah, I was going to say 3D. Um, yeah. You know, bringing in kind of more modular uh, manufactured homes and bringing in, you know, pre-made trusses. And there's opportunity to to expedite. I think it's also like these are still humans and people building your homes, right? So we don't have robots doing it. We still have issues from supply stamp, a supply standpoint and from a skilled labor standpoint um, that the industry is closely monitoring. And until we solve some of those bigger, more macro issues, it's really hard to predict when and how. I think a typical building cycle, six to eight months, is not bad, especially if you're getting to personalize and customize your home how you want it with all the personal touches, touches and finishes that fit your needs. You don't want your house to be built fast, typically. Mm-hmm. But I think with COVID and the supply issues, you know, we had that six to eight month cycle time move to like 12 to 15 months to 18 months. So we're still feeling some of that pain. So of course, no good deed goes on, you know, without the negative side of it. So we, of course, we're having customers reach out and say, oh, I've been waiting a long time for my house. Glad to see their house is finished. And we're handling that with a lot of empathy and care. Sure. Because every situation, every market, every home, every community is in a different space when it comes to the skilled labor environment and supplies. But I think that goes back to why are we America's most trusted home builder for eight years running? I don't know if it's coincidence that I've been here for eight years. You know, we'll let the audience decide. But I think it's really the over communication and setting proper expectations because in a in a purchase process that takes as long as it does when you're buying a home, there's a lot of emotions. You go through the roller coaster of euphoria sure. and anger and desperation and euphoria again and when you can set proper expectations and communicate bad news as soon as you have it and tell the customer mm-hmm. you're going to help them work through it, then you get to the other side with an intact, positive relationship that both parties are feeling really good about. And so I think our all of our team members across the country like take that to heart. And that's why we've been able to win that prestigious award for so long. How many people on the ELT have been there for multiple years, like you and Cheryl? Like, are there, is the ELT the eleven ELT folks? Have they also been there like as long? A lot of tenure. A lot, a lot of tenure. Of so tenure. that's also a testament to yeah, just the connection, the trust, the support, the willingness to experiment and try new things and be aware of where the world is headed in a really interesting industry that's also challenged by supply chain and labor. So it's it's really a testament to, man, the whole ELT, really, like the support that it's so clear that there's like, you know, a moat, right, around the ELT and look at, look at, what, look at what you can do when you can dig in with each other, be in the trenches, you know, look to your right and see your CFO, look to your left and see your, you know, head of sales and your CEO. And we're all in this together. Oh, wait, we've been here a decade already, right? Like, whoa, look what's possible. Exactly. So that's amazing. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know we're coming up on time and this, I had a feeling this might happen. <laughs> um, touch on just like what, how you are addressing supply chain and labor issues in this really, it's very obvious if you've, you know, anyone looking into construction, it's like, those are two big things. What's your perspective on how those are going to shift and change for the better? 
You know, I think it's putting a lot of intentional focus in those areas. Our Cheryl, she's part of many different boards and um, organizations that are are working to address it, certainly on the labor side and just bringing more people into. I think people are these days don't know that you could be a carpenter and that you can make really great money and you can make a living doing this work. We go out to our team members and we'll do all hands and we'll ask them like, how many of your kids are going out or in college or getting a four-year degree? How many are going to be a plumber or a carpenter? So a lot of it's shifting mindset across the country on the opportunities of what a trade school or a skilled talent like that where you're working with your hands and just knowing that that's available. And so a lot of it, you know, we need to create a movement that is bigger than just one individual home builder, but to help spread that word, because we're seeing a lot of those skilled labor, they're aging out and it's a hard Mm -hmm. career. And so they are telling their kids, you go to school, you get an IT job, you get a business job, right? You stay out of the sun. Um, You know, my mom was a third generation nurse and she told me growing up, you could be anything you want to be, but you can't be a nurse. So I do think that that's, you know, something that's going to take a heroic Herculean like effort to help educate, you know, younger generations that this is a possibility. I think supply will work itself out. I think um, COVID just threw a huge wrench mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the the whole chain and how pieces are manufactured when a when COVID would wipe out a plant, it would just shut it down and you wouldn't have certain supplies or pieces that are very necessary to construct a home for months. So luckily, I think the worst of that is behind us, but it's, it's a huge, I would say a huge PR um, opportunity and movement that needs to be established. Wow. Amazing. Well, as we wrap up here, I ha- we, we need to do just we get to do a part two, Stephanie. Let's do a part two, but let's do <laughs> let's a part do two. In, let's do it in person in Austin, yes. or we can we, we can set something up in Phoenix. But are you in Scottsdale or Phoenix? Scottsdale, Sorry. which is the suburb Scottsdale. of Phoenix. We'll set it up uh, wherever we got to do it. This has just been awesome. Um, take us home with just your perspective on kind of what's ahead. What are you What are you betting on for the future for Taylor Morrison? What's next for for TM for Taylor Morrison, and what's next for you? Oh, gosh, big questions to end with. You know, TM, we are running fast and hard and with fury in our beliefs that there are new generations of home buyers that are coming very quickly. And so continuing to build relationships with those younger demographics without forgetting about our Gen Xers and our boomers who, who mm-hmm. hold a lot of wealth in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so having very targeted, specific emotional campaigns that reach each of them and are building relationship. I think that's something that's, that's ahead. I think that that's something that's going to be a continuous for us. Finding the right influencers like Joanna and Clea in the home edit and building brand awareness long before a purchase decision is made is I think just right for the industry. Philanthropy is something we're always going to do. Again, I, I feel the conscious consumer today is so focused on investing in, in companies and brands that stand behind certain movements. You can't run away from culture. So I think it's staying really tapped into what's going on in the world, how consumers are feeling. People are burnt out. And so like, how do we talk to consumers knowing that life is hard? And so I think it's just being very empathetic and having a constant marketing strategy that is nimble and we can be agile and we can make, we can make shifts. 
Um, I think there are big things ahead for Taylor Morris. I'd say we have an exceptional CEO who has a growth strategy and a, a vision for this company, unlike any others in the industry. And so I'm proud to be at Taylor Morrison and spearheading some of this meaningful work. For for me, I don't know. You know, I could tell you that CMO was never really in my, you know, life plan. And then it just <laughs> happened. I feel very fortunate that every role I've taken on, I've been the first person in the seat. So I don't know what that means about me or the organizations or right time, right place. But I love what we're doing at Taylor Morrison. I feel very satisfied. I feel very satisfied with my work and I have built a tremendous team. And I feel very fortunate to be making an impact in 40 plus team members' lives. And so I'm good here, but I do hope my future is bright and that all other opportunities, you know, that come my way. I am inspired by making an impact. And as long as I can go anywhere and make an impact, I will be happy. I love it. I mean, let's, you know, why not go 10 billion? Why not go 20 billion? That's where we're let's, headed. Let's just, let's, let's just there's go. There's no you know? I mean, ceiling here. There's no ceiling. Well, Stephanie, this was an incredible conversation. I, I mean, you made, you made my week with this conversation and got me excited about an industry that I didn't really have a lot of perspective on. But now like talking to someone like you, who's really sits at this intersection of innovation and executive and the speed at which you've done these things as a first timer, right? Like, you know, when you write your book, please keep us in mind because it's, it's, there's so many stories, there's so much perspective in what you're doing. And I can tell that you're stoked and excited about where you're at. Right. And so there's, there's gotta be a part two to this, but thank you for taking time to speak with us, to be a part of this. And I know our audience is going to be really thrilled with this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.